have your Bibles open to two or three different places. One would be Matthew chapter 8, 28 through 34. Another would be Mark chapter 5, 1 through 20. And then another Luke 8, 26 through 39. So here we go. Matthew 8, Luke 8, Mark chapter 5. We're going to be focusing on an account when Jesus encounters a man possessed with demons. Demons. Okay. Now if you look at Mark chapter 5 and verse 1, it says Jesus encountered a man with an unclean spirit. Unclean spirit. That tells you a lot about demons right there. Unclean in spirit. Okay. Unclean in spirit. Spirit has not flesh and bones. You think you've seen a demon? You haven't. Okay, you haven't seen the demon. Luke 24, 39 says a spirit does not have flesh and bones. Okay, so you may have, you have not seen the demon. Okay. So these demons were spirits, but they're unclean. They're of the devil. Okay, they're of the devil. They're unclean, unclean spirits. Okay, no, none of our children are possessed with unclean spirits. Okay, none of those kids are schooled. Sorry, they do not have unclean spirits. This was of the first century. This was in the days of miracles. Jesus had the power. Jesus gave his power to certain ones for temporary basis to prove that Jesus is the Son of God, to prove what they were preaching is indeed the Word of God. But it's very interesting to go back and think about. Now I'm going to ask for your help tonight as we move through this account. So we'll be asking some questions and then we'll have a lesson break, and then we'll ask some more questions, and I want you to participate, okay? So I grabbed this title from somebody else, but it, it kind of sticks with you, all right? New dude in a, in a rude mood, okay? A new dude in a rude mood. And you read about him from Matthew 8, 28 and following, Luke 8, 26 and following, and Mark 5, verse 1 through 20 and following. New dude in a rude mood. Now I'm going to be asking you to help fill in the blanks, but before we do that, before each question, I'm going to call on somebody to say the title. Okay. We cannot do a question without saying the title. Okay. New dude in NDRM, new dude in a rude mood. Okay. So here we go. Question. Number one, okay, comes from Mark chapter 5, verse 1. Before we can answer it, Ben, say the title. Very good. New dude in a rude mood. Okay. Question. The demon-possessed man, you looking? Mark chapter 5, verse 1. The demon-possessed man lived in the country of the, it starts with a G, of the what? Say it loud. The Gerasenes, Gerasenes, right. Gerasenes, they lived opposite of the area of Galilee. When you look on your, your Bible time map in the life of Jesus, Bible time map, you'll see at the, at the top of your map, you'll see the Sea of Galilee. At the bottom of your map, you'll see the Dead Sea. And then if, in between those, toward the right, you'll see Gerasa, the country of the Gerasenes. Okay. This is where Jesus is at. All right, so the demon-possessed man with the unclean spirit leading the country of the Gerasenes. Here comes question two. Okay, Preston, can you say our title? 
New dude in a rude mood. Question two. The demon-possessed man particularly lived in either a house or among the tombs. Which one? Say it loud. In the tombs. That's right. You'll see that from Luke 8, 27 or Mark 5. He lived among the tombs. Because of his possession, he had to live among the tombs. He lived... The demons sometimes would take him into the tombs, sometimes into the desert places, sometimes into the mountains, and then back to the graveyard. But this is where he lived. Okay? Next question. Before we do, Brother Larry, can you say our title? Nude Dude in a Rude Mood. Nude Dude in a Rude Mood. Okay. What sort of wardrobe did the demon-possessed man have, according to Luke 8, 27? What's that? None. None. That's right. He didn't have a wardrobe. Okay. Another impact of the demon possession is that he, did, he just didn't have clothes. He just didn't see the need for clothes. The demon, demons didn't allow clothes on him. Did he have some hot flashes? We don't know. He didn't have on clothes. Okay, Luke 8, uh, 27. And then uh, this question, Will, what's, what's the title of our lesson? New dude in a rude mood. Here's the question. The demon-possessed man was bound with what? He was bound with what and what? Shackles and chains. Okay, chains and fetters, your, your version may have. Shackles and chains, shackles and chains. Evidently, the demon-possessed men possessed great strength because of the possession, and they had a hard time keeping him bound up. They wanted him to be away from people because he was fierce, and he seemed to be a very great danger uh, to people. So he, they had him in shackles and chains. Okay. Next question. Okay. Brother Paul, you want to say our title to Paul Gillilin? <laughs> Naked man in a foul disposition. I love it. All right. Okay. This man in his misery, in his misery, if you look at Mark 5, verse 5, a demon-possessed man cried out day and night, and he cut himself with what? Stones. Some translations say he bruised himself with stones, cut himself with stones, and so he's, he's just miserable. Okay. Uh, his, he's in a very pitiful uh, condition. And we, we take a break right here to bring out a lesson, and that is, this is what Satan wants to do to all of us. Okay. If you ever wonder, what is Satan's mission? He wants to make everybody miserable, just like he is. Okay. Both now in this life, and especially eternally. Okay. Now in this life, we read in John 8 and 34, Whoever continues to commit sin becomes a bondservant of sin. Did, did you see that? The, the demon-possessed man was bound with chains and, and shackles. Well, sin will do the same thing to you in a spiritual way. Okay. Sin has a very, very enslaving character about it. Okay. We read from Paul in Romans 6 and verse 16. Notice this one carefully. Romans 6, 16 and following, Know you not that to whom you yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants you are to whom you obey. In other words, whatever you're obeying in life becomes your master. His servants you are to whom you obey. Whether it be sin unto death 
You could be enslaved to that. Or of obedience unto righteousness. Now that's where we need to be. We want to be enslaved to obedience unto righteousness. But God be thanked, Paul says, Romans 6, 17, that whereas you were the service of sin, you have obeyed from the heart the pattern of teaching delivered to you, the pattern of teaching, the, the gospel of Jesus. And being then made free from sin, you have become servants of righteousness. You back up in that same chapter, Romans 6, all the way back to Romans 6, 3 and 4, and you see more about this this pattern of teaching, you see more about this plan, how we're, when we're baptized, we're baptized into the death of Jesus, into the blood of Jesus, and we come up walking in newness of life, and now we're through with sin. We're now out of our enslavement condition, and Jesus has set us free. The truth will set us free. Right. But especially eternally, does Satan want us to suffer? We read about hell in, in Revelation 14, verse 10. It, it simply says that it'll be a torment in fire forever and ever. And that's just fine and dandy with Satan. The worse he can make it, then the better. This ought to create a unity within us believers because we recognize who the real enemy is. We are not at odds against each other. We're mainly, our focus is that our arch enemy is Satan himself. This ought to motivate us to stay together and to be on fire against him. Okay. Let's go on to the next question here. Brother Ken, do you remember our title? New Dude in a Rude Mood. And here's the question. When... This demon-possessed man, when he saw Jesus from afar, he ran and did what? He worshipped him. He worshipped him. There seems to be a struggle in the, in the ones possessed with demons. seems to be a struggle. It seems like sometimes a demon's in control. Other times the, the man himself's in control. So he, he runs to worship uh, Jesus. Okay. Next question. I'll say it this time, new dude in a rude mood. The demon referred to Jesus as the son of what? There you go. The son of the most high God. The son of the most high God. Matthew's account, just simply, the demon refers to him as the son of God himself. Okay. And here's a good chance for a lesson, a little lesson break here. You know, there's testimony from every direction about Jesus. You know, we got testimony from good people like John the Baptist, John 1, 29, Behold, the Lamb of God takes away the sins of the world. We've got a testimony from Peter who said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God, Matthew 16, 16. We got testimony from that, that centurion who was standing close to the cross, Matthew 27, and said, Surely this was the Son of God. We got testimony from even Pilate's wife, Matthew 27, 18 and 19. She said to, to her husband, have nothing to do with this righteous man. I had a dream last night. Don't have anything to do with this righteous man. Okay. We got testimony from everywhere that Jesus is the Son of God. And here is testimony from the underworld. Here is testimony from the dark world itself. Okay. As James 2, 19 says, even the demons believe and tremble. Okay. Everywhere you go, from whatever direction, Jesus is indeed 
the Son of God. All, to all the believers out there, we can rejoice in seeing that he is who he claims to be. To all the unbelievers, you know, even your boss believes. You're either working for Christ, you're working against Christ. You're working for Christ, you're working for Satan. And we need to tell all the liberals out there and all the unbelievers out there that, hey, your boss, even he believes. And he's doomed to failure himself. Hmm. Well, next question here. All right. Brother Aaron, what's the name of our title, our lesson? Rude dude and a new mood. Some people's minds are a little shaped. Yeah. All right. New dude and rude mood. Question. The demon begged Jesus not to do what? According to Luke 8, 28. Not to torment him. Not to torment him. They knew who was in charge. Let's go to this next question. When Jesus asked him his name, what did the demon say? My name is Legion. For what? Yeah, for we are many. For for we are many. That's right. We are many. Next question. Roger, what's the title of our lesson? New dude in a rude mood. That's right. The demons asked Jesus not to send them into the abyss. What a mysterious word that is. Don't send us into the abyss. The abyss. Let's stop right here and draw a line. Satan and his angels know their destiny. They know it. They know it. In Matthew's account, the demon says to Jesus, why have you come to torment us before the time? See, they know there's a time coming where they will be eternally doomed. They're already doomed. But they'll be officially, eternally doomed. The devil knows this. Matthew 25, 41 says, the eternal fire is prepared for for the goats, those of us on the left hand of Jesus, but also, first of all, and first, first and foremost, the eternal fire is prepared for the devil and his angels. They know where they're going. We noticed a couple weeks ago from Revelation 12 and verse 12, the devil knows he's, he's come with great wrath because he, he knows his time is short. Okay. So here you have a very frustrated old being who knows his destiny is eternal hell of fire with all the rest of his demons and they have a short time to take down as many of us with them as possible And so they are ferocious in their work, fierce, competitive. So they know their destiny. And again, we need to line up behind our Lord together and fight Satan with all of our might. Satan knows his time is short. 
Okay, what's the title of our lesson? Anybody? New dude and rude move. Here's the next question. Instead of, of the abyss, they asked Jesus to send them into what? What's that? A herd of swine. A herd of pigs. A herd of pigs. Okay. Now, there's some herdsmen here. How do you know that most likely those who own this herd of swine are not Jewish? Hmm? How would you most likely conclude that probably they're not Jewish? Right. Under the old Jewish law, which is still intact in, in Jesus' day here, uh, to those who were Jews especially, um, eating of this meat, the pig meat, was considered unclean. Leviticus 11.27 is one place. Leviticus 11.27. So most likely these were Gentile owners, Gentile herdsmen, which shows us that Jesus is staying true to his mission. His mission is to try to save everybody. It's a universal mission, both Jew and Gentile. Jesus is reaching out in compassion and power to as many as he can, no matter whether they're Samaritans, Jewish background, Gentiles, whether they have known God or have not known God, Jesus is going after them. Okay. Staying true to his mission. One good news for us is the world seems to be coming to us. I'm talking about us right here in the southeast. Us right here in the southeast. For years and years, we've thought about how can we get people across the seas and what, what kind of endeavor would that be? What kind of money? The people are coming to us. Okay. And we've got to be ready to reach out to everyone, no matter where they're coming from, what the background. That's what Jesus uh, did. All right, next question is, Mr. Paul, what's the title of our lesson? New dude in a rude mood. What happened when the demons left the man? What happened when the demons left the man? What happened when Jesus did the miracle? What happened? Did the demons leave the man? Yes. Where did they go? Went into the herd of swine. What did the swine do? They ran off the, the cliff, the steep embankment, and down into the sea they went and they drown. Pigs can fly. Ken says, pigs can't fly. That proves that pigs cannot fly. If they ever were going to fly, that would have been the time. Pigs cannot fly. Okay. But this is uh, very uh, interesting, isn't it? How this occurs. In Mark 5, 13, how many of the pigs were there? 2,000. 2,000. 2,000 of anything is a pretty good investment, isn't it? That's a pretty big investment. 2,000 $1 bills. 2,000 $10 bills. 2,000 chairs. 2,000 tables. 2,000 cars. 2,000 or just about anything's a pretty good investment. Somebody lost something on this day, didn't they? But isn't Jesus showing us that one 
person, one soul is worth the entire world. Just like the question he asked in Matthew 16, 26, what shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Isn't one soul worth anything? Isn't worth anything? Look in your Bibles to the end of the book of Jonah and notice how Jonah was still trying or, or God was still trying to get the, this very lesson over uh, to Jonah. Hosea, Joel, Amos, Obadiah, Jonah, Micah. Jonah. Hosea, Joel, Amos, Obadiah, Jonah, Micah. Here we are. Jonah chapter 4, verse 11. God said to Jonah, still trying to reason with him. The book ends with God trying to reason with Jonah. He said, and should I not pity Nineveh? If you're going to pity this shade tree that you were just under, Jonah, should I not pity Nineveh, the great city in which there are more than 120,000 persons who do not know the right hand from their left, and also there's much cattle there. God says, it's right for me to reach out. There are people there. They don't know about me. They don't know what life is about. Should it not be? Is it not possible? Should I not be reaching out to them? Okay. So another great thought here as we move along this story is how that one soul is worth the entire world. Jesus proves that ultimately on the cross, but he's talking a little bit about it here as well. <clears throat> New dude in a rude mood. Next question. What did those tending to the swine do after the miracle is performed? What did they do? Went and told everybody. Almost a natural reaction. Ought to be a natural reaction. Went and told everybody. Next question. How did the people, when they, people started coming to see the results of this miracle, how did the people find this formerly possessed man? That's right. If you look at these passages here, Luke 8, 35, Mark 5, 15, they found this man sitting at the feet of Jesus. Three things here. Sitting at the feet of Jesus clothed and in his right mind. What does that tell you about somebody who can't seem to put on enough clothes? Okay. That just answers itself, doesn't it? But notice the man is now sitting at the feet of Jesus. Of course that's where you want to be. Jesus has proven himself over and over again. He's the son of God. Where else are you going to be? Just like Mary... Martha's sister, Luke 10, 38 to 42, she was sitting at Jesus' feet, listening to him. Of course, he's sitting at the feet of Jesus. He's listening. He's clothed and in his right mind. I love to study the mind. The mind, the soul. The soul. What is the soul? The soul is that part of us that thinks and feels and chooses. That's, it's the part of us that will forever live. It's the real us. Okay? This body that we look at and we pay so close attention to every day, okay, we get confused that, that the body is, is what life is all about, but the real us is that which thinks and feels and chooses every day, the mind, the mind. When we follow Jesus, we'll be in our right mind. There's a lot of enemies of the mind, but Jesus will keep us in our right mind. Okay. 
Next question, what did the Gerasene people ask Jesus to do? So they, Jesus is there, they see the results of the miracle. What unusual thing did they ask him to do? Yeah, we want you to leave our region. Wonder why, wonder why. Please depart, leave our region. Well, the only thing I can come up with is that sometimes we just don't want to deal with the spiritual. We like our life just the way it is. We like being able to see things. We like to be able to figure things out by what we can see. We don't want to think about death. We don't want to think about the internal spirit. We don't want to think about eternity. We're just fine. Okay. We were just fine, Jesus, before you come. Please leave. We don't like all this. this we, don't, we don't like people getting upset. We, we don't like anything out of the ordinary. And you know, it is kind of spooky to think about how this body is temporary and there's going to be another existence somewhere and that existence is going to be eternal. But we must deal with Jesus. We must deal with reality. And then this question... What did the formerly possessed man request from Jesus? What did he want to do? That's right. He wanted to stick, stay right there with Jesus and keep listening to him. But what did Jesus tell him to do? There you go, Roger. Go back to your house, house, go back to your town and tell people the great things the Lord has done for you. Okay. In Mark's account, he adds, go back and tell your house, tell your friends how the Lord has had mercy on you and how he has done great things for you. Okay. Three closing lessons and we're done. First of all, we got to remember always the great authority of Jesus. He shows us again and again His power, His power. If you look at Matthew's account, when they ask Jesus, don't send us into the abyss, send us into the herd of swine, Jesus just simply says, go. And at His word, he, they went. They went. There's a commentary on all this in Luke 4.36. I want to read, because I love reading this. Luke 4.36, And they were all amazed and said to one another, What is this word? For with authority and power he commands the unclean spirits, and they come out. Just with a word. Just with a word. We're not surprised God spoke in the world came into existence, but let us today understand the authority of the written word, which is for our souls. So think about the authority of Christ. Also, think about influence. God, the Lord Jesus, was able to take a man who for a long time had lived in, among the tombs. For a long time, I think it's Matthew's account, one of the accounts, says it was, he had been suffering this for a long time. 
this man had been, he, Jesus took a man who had been living among the tombs for a long time and turned him into a soul winner, turned turn him into somebody who went and talked about the Lord and gave people the good news and gave people hope. Influence. Influence. And don't forget about the lesson of transformation because as the demon came out, the demon was within the man. That's how God works on us. God works on us from the inside out. The demon was, the demons were within this man. Jesus cast him out. The man was transformed. Even so, we are transformed from the inside out. But the word of God has got to be in our hearts and it'll do the work on us and the Lord will transform us into who he wants us uh, to be. Thank you for working through this account uh, this evening. The nude dude in a rude mood. But we find him sitting at the feet of Jesus, clothed and in his right mind. There may be someone here this evening who wants to rededicate their life to Christ, having already become a Christian years ago. It may be someone has been contemplating the very authority of Jesus. Jesus has authority over all of our lives. It's time for us to submit to that, surrender to his authority, obey his gospel. Do you need to come this evening? Come right now as we stand, as we sing uh, together.